As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to this episode of The Shamrock. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Matt Fortuna, who is in a poorly Wi-Fi connected room in Washington, D.C. And uh, today, special guest, he's half of the style of verbal, uh, Ty Hildenbrand. And, you know, Ty, at, when I sent out the invite for this, I was half joking that this was a, a podcast, but also a therapy session, um, but only half joking, because I, I do think that... Uh, Notre Dame fans are in need of some therapy. And uh, if anyone saw your Instagram video over the weekend after the Marshall loss, like maybe you could use a little talk therapy too. Yeah. And, and to be clear, first off, thank you for the invite guys. It's always a pleasure. Secondly, just so everybody at home knows that Pete is serious about this. He named the zoom room, the shamrock therapy session. So maybe more than half or less than half joking about the therapy angle here. It, uh, yeah, it was a weekend. It was a weekend for Notre Dame fans. Uh, and frankly, Notre Dame beat media because when I listen to the solid verbal and I hear references to like about the season going off the track and like, man, you, you read the beat reporters. I like that. It cuts, man. Like it, I know I, that cuts me because I know I, I feel like I was part of the problem as if I was the one that threw the pick six in the fourth quarter in some ways. Well, I mean, but it's all of you guys. And I, yeah. and I say that lovingly because I, <laughs> I, I read as much Notre Dame as I can. I'm not perfect. Obviously, you're all a lot more zoomed in to Notre Dame football than I am. That's why you're you're all so good at what you do. Um, but, you know, a lot of times, and we see this with other teams when we're going through and trying to prep for what we do on the solid verbal every weekend, beat writers oftentimes are in conflict with one another. Like, not open conflict, like a hot war of sorts, but you say different things or different angles or somebody is trying to get an edge and, and say something new in this case. Nope. You're kind of all saying yeah. the same thing. It's even the stats. If you look at the advanced stat, they're all, everybody is saying the exact same thing about Notre Dame football right now. And so um, it, at least in that sense, it makes it easier to follow. It doesn't make it any more exciting to watch, but at least we have a general sense based on your reporting and based on stats and, and other sources, what's going on here? It's funny because I'm in D.C. For, for athletic director meetings, and to a man and woman last night, I think everyone I saw, they, they recognized me as the guy who does mostly Notre Dame. And it's, 
man, what's going on, Marcus, man, is everything okay? And so like, you know, it's almost as if like <laughs> there's a, a sick relative or something going on. It, it's pretty funny, I guess, for lack of a better term, the cause for concern nationally after an 0-2 start. But Ty, I'm curious, obviously we saw y- your video, but, but how do you process this in real time? What's kind of your game day routine? And is it maybe a little less intense for Marshall going in, given what we thought would end up happening that game? Oh, it was definitely less intense for Marshall. Uh, you know, I mean, Pete and I talked a little bit before we hit record. Uh, Notre Dame fans penciled this in as a win. And why wouldn't you? They were a 20-point favorite. Why wouldn't you? There was all this off-season hype. Why wouldn't you? They have an absolutely loaded roster of talent. And, you know, I mean, we can debate the merits of that and, and where it's weaker or whatnot. But still, pound for pound, they should be a lot better than Marshall. And so, yeah, the 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 game day experience, the build up to the game from a fan's perspective, I think, was a totally different standpoint than what we saw in week one, where, look, they, I thought, held their own fairly well against Ohio State, at least in real time for that game. It felt like they held their own pretty well and like it was kind of a winnable game. The Marshall game was winnable as well, as you guys both know. But um, in in real time, I you're just sort of I think at one point I tweeted out that the game felt like a caffeine crash like what's going on here you just keep waiting for things to ignite for the offense to find that spark and it was a big old waiting game and Tyler Buckner gets hurt and things start to unravel very quickly down the stretch it was um it was a very frustrating 60 minutes of football to watch as a fan because you just kept waiting for it to get better and it frankly never did I think on your podcast you said it was enough to make you like, wait a minute, do I do I miss Ian Book? Like, we're, yeah, I, 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 I didn't I didn't know if you you, you were like, man, I, I I can't believe I already went there. Yeah, a little bit of an identity crisis, Pete. If I'm being real, like I I for the better part of two years on our show, I was not kind to Ian Book, and. Winning his quarterback in Notre Dame history was obviously a really good leader on that team and was able to run that offense with the, despite some of his physical limitations with, you know, throwing the ball downfield or, or maybe that was more of a scheme thing. I, you know, you guys would know better than me, but regardless, it felt like there was an extra gear that Notre Dame could not tap into when he was a starting quarterback. And um, I talked about that for about two years straight despite the success that Notre Dame had on the field. And now, yeah, now, now this year um, where you don't necessarily have that kind of senior leadership, whether it's with book or Jack Cohn or someone else. And uh, it, it, it's gotten a lot more interesting at quarterback and uh, yeah, def- definitely wondered a little bit like, huh, what would Ian book have done here? I, I thought we would all experience that last year. Not that I didn't have faith in Jack Home, but I think he ended up being a lot better than I anticipated coming into the season. And because to wow. your point, yes. I'm, I mean, when we're, you were at the Virginia Tech game. Like at that point, I think plenty of people were missing Ian Book. Like I think sure, you remember I, how it ended with Jack Cohn, but the first month and a half of the season, like the Toledo game, uh, that, that, that none of that was Jack Cohn's fault, though. Toledo, I, those games. I mean, he, other than the 20 seconds, I mean, so. I just, that was the offensive line <laughs> as it is this year in many cases. I mean, I, I just thought, I thought we everyone would miss Ian Book more last year because Notre Dame went 11 and one that didn't exactly play out that way. But great segue into 
this weekend, Drew Pines making his first career start. Ty, how are you processing all this? And, and is it, I hate to put it in this context, but I almost feel like because Buckner didn't play all that well in his two games, this isn't a sky is falling. We're 0 2 and our starting quarterback is hurt kind of approach. I think it's almost like, all right, here we go. Buckle up. We already know it's a, going to be a bit of a rocky season. Let's, let's, let's get weird here. Yeah, let's get weird. Notre Dame football 2022 <laughs> that can, uh, can, can use that on shirts and whatnot. Um, somebody called in. We have a, a voicemail line every weekend. And somebody called in and said that um, maybe it was a tweet. Maybe it was a call. Maybe it was both. But the, <laughs> the, the comment was, Drew Pine was so excited to get in the game. He got on that field quicker than any backup quarterback ever. At first sight of Tyler Buckner maybe being nicked up, he clearly wanted to be out there. And, you know, it didn't didn't go as well as I'm sure he would like. But how am I processing? I am I am conflicted because when we saw flashes of Drew Pine in the past, he definitely gave them a little bit of spark. Like we have seen that from Drew Pine. I don't know if it's his his leadership style, just his personality, the way he played. I don't know what it is, but. There is a little bit of Ian Book in him in that sense that he he was able to kind of rally the troops. What what gives me, I think, a healthy bit of cynicism with regard to Pine is a lot of what I've read from you, Pete, which is uh, in the springtime, the battle between him and Buckner was Drew Pine throwing a lot of interceptions and everybody not feeling good about that. So and then we saw another big interception. Um, this past weekend. So I'm, you know, if he could stay away from those pitfalls and if he can do more of the book stuff, then uh, again, weird identity crisis. I think I'm okay with that, but I, I will wait to see how he performs in this new role where he's not just kind of like the fun guy coming in off the bench. Now, suddenly there's the weight of the world on his shoulders. I think that you could put Drew Pine and a little bit of spark, like as a fantasy things item in the future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much how he's always described. Like, oh, Drew Pine, a little bit of a spark, a little bit of a spark there. That's that's pretty much his his mo. And like he, uh, we talked to him yesterday at Access, uh, and this is not breaking news, but if you saw him, like Ty Hildebrand and Drew Pine built similarly. <laughs> oh no. I'm just saying, like you don't want to say that he he is somebody. If you were in if you were in a restaurant with him, as I w- I was working at a place by Industry Commons Drew, last week, Drew Pine was there, and I had to do a triple take. To like, is that is that Drew? Pine? I think that's Drew Pine. I'm not sure. Now is that I don't know. But like the Notre Dame quarterback usually is not somebody you have to do a triple take to figure out if that's who it is. Um, but I mean, Drew Pine is. Slightly built. Um, he is all in on Notre Dame. Like he can, he talked extensively about going to the Basilica and the Grotto and all that. Like he is kind of a central casting Notre Dame quarterback, other than the fact that he's five foot 10 and looks like a, you know, he could host a podcast with Dan Rubenstein. I, I was um, going to say the, the limits, the upper limits of my athletic ability at this stage in life is like backyard cornhole. And otherwise, I sit on a chair in front of two monitors and a Shure SM7B many hours per week doing this. 
that is the upper limit of, 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 of where I'm at athletically. If you're confusing me, or if I could be confused with the starting quarterback at Notre Dame, that's not exactly a ringing endorsement. Um, but the fact that he's all in, the fact that he's excited about the opportunity, and that he does, he has given them a little bit of spark. You know, I don't want to make expectations here that, that are unrealistic. I'm certainly not doing that. I am skeptical about this whole thing. But, like, if he can give them a little bit of spark, they could use a little bit of spark on offense. You've yes, seen the numbers. They have like, no he's, spark. There's, there's no, no spark, spark happening right now. There's no spark whatsoever. So, you know, any any spark, any net positive in the spark department would be a good thing. All I heard when you said 5'10", looks like Ty. I'm picturing Stetson Bennett. Last I checked, that guy just won a national mm. title. So there you I go, think Matt. name is fine. <laughs> now we're pumping the sunshine. I like it. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You approach Marshall like most, thinking, oh, I think this is going to be a win and my game day routine isn't going to be as intense. How do you approach Cal 0-2 knowing that Cal, outside of maybe UNLV, is probably the easiest opponent Notre Dame has left on this schedule this year? Like, what, what's How do you gear up for this game? Like, what, what, What's the mindset? I know they're, what, I think the line's around 10 right now. It's been moving based on the quarterback news, but... There's definitely a sense, at least for me, Pete. Like, well, if you get pushed around by Marshall, who won't you get pushed around by? And I don't know how that changes. Yeah, I mean, first the the first approach is bet Cal plus ten and a half. You guys can't, I can, and I might just, if only as a reverse jinx option to try and get get a further spark going here. Cal's offense is really bad, and that has been the mo for the last couple years running now for the golden bears so um you look at what cal has done their first two games against two bad teams i mean uc davis is is an fcs team and unlv is about as close to an fcs program as you're going to get though they've improved a little bit and it's not like cal was blowing the doors off of either of those teams so you know going forward again i i i'm hesitant to say that this should be a win but this this should be a freaking win this this should be an easy win for Notre Dame. What what I think will be interesting here is um, Cal does play good defense. That has also been their calling card the last couple of years. And again, the numbers through two weeks, opponent adjusted, all that sort of bears that out again. So this will be a good challenge for Notre Dame's line to, to hopefully improve on some level. It'll definitely be a good challenge for Drew Pine as he steps into that starter role. Um, it will give them a test on some level that they need on offense to hopefully build some momentum and make this thing better the rest of the way. And defensively, 
defensively, I hope it gives them a little bit of a, a breather um, because Cal is so bad. I mean, they just are on offense. I would hope that this would give the opportunity to the front seven, especially to eat a little bit more than they've been eating. You know, they're, they're good at tackling in the open field in most cases, but through two games, they haven't done a whole lot behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, those havoc plays that I know we, we all kind of tune our attention into have just not been there through the first two weeks for this front seven. So with any amount of luck, it gives both sides of the ball exactly what they need. The defense, an opportunity to build some moment, some momentum, excuse me, and the offense, a chance to go up against a pretty good defense and, and start to figure things out. Do you look at Marcus Freeman any differently now than two and a half weeks ago? Like, are, are we, is there, is there any side eye coming your way towards a uh, Notre head coach or like, how, is it just sort of how you feel? Because we, Spent a lot of time talking about where it was the honeymoon. I've always said it's like a grace period. Like he was the grace period to me was going to go from the first loss after Ohio State. I thought that was going to be in November, not a week later. Um, but as you know, a Notre Dame fan, like I, I was interested in how your perception of the head coach has changed, if at all, in the last couple of weeks. Well, He's had three winnable games now as head coach. If you go back to the bowl game, the Oklahoma State game, they should have won. The Ohio State game, we can debate what winnable looks like, but it was close enough that a few plays in one direction could have changed that one. And certainly Marshall was there. Um, So that's not a great start. And I think it is definitely a huge come down from all of the off-season hype that we had around Notre Dame, how the program is changing, it's getting younger, recruiting has been off the charts, everybody excited about everybody excited inside the program for this new regime. Um, you know, Brian Kelly jokes aplenty, all these things that that we kind of leaned on in the off-season to get hyped for this season have have now, in a sense, come crashing down. I think you pointed it out, rightfully so, Pete, on you know, one of your recaps that you posted on the athletic about how now officially the honeymoon is over for for Marcus Freeman. Like it's it's over to whatever was there before the goodwill to some extent is gone. I don't think I look at him differently as a coach. I think he's learning on the job. And uh I think this is a really hard job. It it's easy to forget that, especially as fans, you want to win every time, especially with the teams that Notre Dame has a chance to play every year. You know, there's some some quality opponents year in and year out. You you want to expect wins in those games and when it feels like there's no momentum, when it feels like there's no spark, when it feels like something is wrong and we can't necessarily put our finger on it, that that can be really disconcerting. And, you know, if we know it, he knows it, too. Um, it, it's it's not just Freeman. It's it's Tommy Reese, right? Tommy Reese has stepped into more of an expanded role as well. And I know he's made comments to the extent of got to own this. You know, I'm in charge of the offense now on some level. This is my fault. So I think these are guys who are pretty self-aware. They know to look within and uh, and evaluate constantly what they're doing. I think Freeman will get it figured out. It, there's no question about it that um, if he left Notre Dame tomorrow, there would be uh, several dozen other potentials out there that would want Marcus Freeman's services. So it certainly has not gotten off to the start that Notre Dame fans would like. But I'm still fairly optimistic that um, you know he'll get this thing figured out in due time and and get things going in the right direction. It's just a really hard job to learn on. We had Michael Jr. on last week, and again, this was pre-Marshall, 
And he talked about the transition for, from a known commodity and Brian Kelly to, to a you know, excitable younger guy with, with Marcus Freeman. And he said, you know, it's not a perfect analogy, but it reminds me of the 49ers. You know what you're getting with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, there's a ceiling there. You're going to take a chance with Trey Lance and weather the storm and hopefully to have, have a, a higher ceiling. And after the, the Niners, after Notre Dame lost to Marshall and after the Niners <laughs> blew it against Justin Fields and the Bears, I texted him saying you were 100% on point for all the wrong reasons. Good job. Uh, but what, what do you think, Ty? And look, I'm sure you have a lot of friends who are Notre Dame fans. Like me and Pete have been texting a million people all week. And I've gotten everything back from like Matt Bayless is over the hill. They're getting uh, tired in the fourth <laughs> quarter to Harry, Harry Heastan's a great developer of talent, but not a great developer of lines. Like every theory you could think of has been thrown out this way. I mean, you said earlier, you can't point to just one thing here and say it's a quick fix. But what, how have you processed this? What do you think is kind of the biggest identity crisis with this team right now well the line's pretty bad um <laughs> which it's, one well let's start with the offense um the, the offensive line that that has been i i referenced earlier how many of the folks who are very zoomed in on notre dame football are saying the same stuff with re- respect to the offensive line and the scheme around it and that is that the scheme around it does not even recognize that the line stinks right now <laughs> that they they are they're almost continuing on as if they have a good line when in fact they do not and that that to me seems like the the biggest issue at least for the moment um we have grown all too comfortable over the brian kelly era gradually so he built that line into something that was the bedrock for the team don't have that this year it's it's still taking flight to an extent um, I looked at the PFF grades, which, you know, it's all subjective. So you use it as a data point. But um, Jared Patterson, who was supposed to be their best offensive lineman, and granted, coming back from injury in this game against Marshall, but he was their lowest, lowest graded offensive lineman in that matchup. Can't happen. Needs to get better. And, and whether it's Harry Heastand taking some extra time to kind of find his way here with this unit. Um, I, I don't know what it's going to take in order to get that that thing humming up front, but it that to me seems like the biggest issue on offense. Aside from the fact, I mean, we could talk about wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks. I mean, there's a lot to go around on offense. We could point the finger a thousand different directions, but if the offensive line makes the mistakes that it's made and can't communicate better the rest of the way, we're in for a long season here. And so I, I think I would start there. Um, you know, the, defensively, um, the the offense hasn't given them much of a breather. Um, been a been a lot of under or uh, underwhelming offense, turning it over to the defense and hoping they can make a play, kind of a thing. And um, you know that that really puts the defense in a bind as well. So I I don't know. Again, it there's a thousand things here, but I like the rest of you. I probably start with the offensive line. I was interested as a guy who you were a fan during Reese's playing career. If that is difficult for fans to divorce from Reese, the coordinator. Um, and we had this conversation with Golick because I, I'll get occasionally I'll get questions that are like the media gives Reese a pass because he played at Notre Dame. And actually I feel like the reverse is true that Reese takes more shit because he played here because people remember Reese, the quarterback and sort of everything that he wasn't. Um, when you hear Tommy Reese, do you, are you thinking like, 
play caller or do you think more about the guy with not a live arm who couldn't move who wasn't ever Colson? Yeah, I can you guys hear this? Let me see if I can oh I can't play it. I was gonna play my Tommy Reese sound that I use in the podcast. Um <laughs> we've we've joked about Tommy Reese for, for years as uh Reesus. You know, Re- Reesus is back to save the day. I wasn't a huge Tommy Reese fan when he was playing quarterback. And um, you know, that would that was probably some some aspect of my youth and and the need to be snarky getting in the way of actually evaluating what he did. And and he stepped in in a really important way for Notre Dame football during his playing days and um, probably didn't get enough credit for, for the job that he did do. Um, now as a coordinator, I find that I want to give him every benefit of the doubt. I really want him to succeed because from the moment he stepped on campus, this is back to when he was a player, heard a lot about his leadership, heard a lot about, you know, he comes from, um, a family with a coach. His dad is a coach. And so this is a guy who you could see being on the fast track to being a coach. And lo and behold, now he's a coordinator, right? With the when when Brian Kelly was left with the option of giving Reese that job and and uh or risking him walking to take a job elsewhere, they wanted to keep him. Every everybody likes playing for him from the sounds of it. They they all like Tommy Reese a great deal. And so I, I want him to succeed. And as a fan that pays attention, I, you know, it, I, I definitely have a sense of, um, I'm I'm almost like proud that he decided to stick around when he had the option to go to LSU and he wanted to stick around and help build this thing up almost like a varsity blues type of, you know, we're fighting out, we're fighting back against being abandoned kind of a thing. Brian Um, Kelly as John Voigt. Yeah, like I, I, I think about that with Reese, and I, as a Notre Dame fan, I, I, it, it really makes me want to root for him. On some level, though, the reckoning is coming because the results haven't been there. And granted, it's early. Granted, more of an expanded role for him. Um, granted, now his starting quarterback, his chosen starting quarterback, is out for the season. It, he's going to have some challenges to overcome here. It's not too late to put together a good season. It did not start out the way we wanted, but it's still not too late. It's just the 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 pressure has been ratcheted up in a way that nobody could have expected. And it will be interesting to see what what he does. I mean, again, he has taken some degree of ownership for this. He's not blaming people. He, he says that I'm in charge and I need to figure out a way to to make this thing better. So definitely rooting for him but um can also see the writing on the wall coming a little bit like just as a fan we're going to get to a point maybe like week eight where okay if this thing doesn't feel like it's going in a better direction then uh the the next obvious question to ask is is tommy reese really good at this or are are we just kind of blinded by our own notre dame fandom to have a a former notre dame player in there running things coming into the year i think pete myself a lot of people thought ten and two would, would be a really good season, given the schedule. Given there's a new head coach, I think Vegas had the over under eight and a half. In your mind, right now, sitting at zero and two, looking at what's ahead, all these unknowns. What like? Can you put a number? Can you put a record on like? All right, if I look up at the end of the day and we went seven and five or eight and four, whatever it is, I can say like we showed progress throughout the course of the year, and I'm excited about what year two brings. Like, can you put yourself 
there yet, or is it just let's get through Cal and see see what happens next? Well, we uh, on our show we've definitely started looking forward and talking about what what is the rest of the way look like for Notre Dame. By my count, there are six losable games still on the schedule. Doesn't mean they're losing all of them, but North Carolina plays offense. BYU plays offense. Stanford apparently can play some degree of offense and always gives Notre Dame fits. There's also a Syracuse team that is weirdly very good so far through two weeks. Clemson and USC on the road to close out the season. So, you know, those are some heavy hitters, especially with where this team is at. Um, You know, I think it starts this week with Cal. If they can just, if, if, if we can come out of this game feeling like there is some progress along the offensive line, uh, if Drew Pine goes out there and is not a disaster and can get some rapport going either with Mayor or Lorenzo Styles or, you know, whoever else in, re- in the receiving core, if, if it can feel like there is some positive momentum coming out of that Cal game, again, a team with a pretty good defense, that would be a start. Next week at North Carolina, I mean, <laughs> if the offense can't get its act together, this week against Cal, it's going to have to next week against North Carolina because the only thing North Carolina can do is score points. They won't stop you from scoring points, but if you're not in a position where you can go out there and put up 50 points to win a shootout, you're probably not going to win that game. We saw that in week one against App State. So, you know, that that is, I think, what I am most intrigued by now as we move forward. I'm not so much putting a number on it, Matt, because it's probably premature to do so now that there's going to be a new starting quarterback in there. I am more approaching this from the standpoint of I'm looking at these teams on the schedule and I am seeing some some opportunities here for real losses unless Notre Dame can get its act together on offense because North Carolina, BYU, Syracuse, certainly USC, all those teams are going to score points. They're going to score points this year and um, whether or not they play defense is kind of irrelevant. You got to be able to score with them. Hopefully we'll find out a little bit more about that this week um, when we see what Drew Pine can do. But um that definitely skeptical that 10 and 2 is on the table. I, I see a couple projections out there that have it anywhere from 9 and 3, still 9 and 3, all the way down to like 6 and 6. So I think the, um, the, the range of possible options or range of possible options is not the word. Possibilities is definitely widened a bit from where we expected, or at least I expected at the start of the year. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I had a question like on this topic in my mailbag today and I sort of answered it similarly about like, I really like until there's a win, I'm not going to tell you what I think that the, the final record is going to be because there's just like no floor to stand on quite yet. But the, I think the more interesting part of that question is I got a lot of sort of feedback in the offseason. It's like, okay, what do you want to see from there? If you put the record aside, what do you want to see that makes you feel good about where Notre Dame is going? And like, first on my list was always 
that you saw Tyler Buckner look like a dude by the end of the year, that they yeah. had a difference maker quarterback. That obviously is totally off the table. Like that's completely blown up. And I was having a hard time coming up with like, what's something I could see from Notre Dame by the end of the year that would make me feel like, okay, things are moving in a good direction. Is there, I mean, is there anything for you that you're like, okay, if I, record aside, if I could at least see these two things, then as an Notre Dame fan, I would feel good about where things are going with Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Do you remember way back in the days of yore when Brian Kelly first took over? Oh, yes. And I, I remember those teams, especially the team, I think his first year, where it wasn't the best team that he ever fielded, but they fought. They fought. I mean, we, we joke on our program all the time about teams that are plucky, teams that are frisky, that are just in every game. And, um, you know, uh, there was that quality to some of those early Brian Kelly teams that at least left you with the impression, okay, they go into a bowl game, they win, you know, they fight, they win, or they, it's a close loss, whatever. Like it, it just felt like some of those early teams really had a lot of fight in them. And so separate from the record and separate from any kind of improvement, let's say at the center position, a specific thing that we could point to. Um, I think it starts with that feeling like there is like there is fight here. What I felt as a fan, again, I'm not on the field. Okay. What, what do I know? I'm an idiot with a microphone, <laughs> but I could tell you as a fan, you're Drew Pine. You're Drew Pine. Pete I'm Drew Pine. Apparently yeah. I got four years of eligibility left. Um, it, what it felt like as a fan watching that game was was almost demoralizing down the stretch, especially after Buckner got hurt. Like they haven't moved the ball all game, or they haven't been great or efficient at moving the football all game. Um, what what do we have to go on that they're going to do it now, right? And I I would just like to feel a little bit more fight, a little bit more of that friskiness. Um, however you quantify that as the first thing. The second thing, honestly, outside of the quarterback and the line, which we've already defined. I would like to see somebody else step up out wide. It would be nice to know that there are more options other than Lorenzo Styles and Michael Mayer, because if those are the only two options, teams will game plan around that and they will force you to to check down or throw to um, you know Chris Tyree out of the backfield or or something like that 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 takes away the threat of of any kind of downfield game. Um it would be nice to see somebody step up in that receiver room. Um, whether it's a name that we know or a name that we don't yet, that, that would be nice. And I think would be, um, you know, a a good thing to build on certainly moving forward. There's a sense, at least for me, I just think it's almost like, obviously we, you know, everyone took a little bit for granted, Brian Kelly winning all those games that he was supposed to win and doing it in sometimes boring fashion. But there's a sense right now for me, like, and, and maybe you see this, you know, when you talk about them on your show, it's kind of like just like everybody else right now. You don't know what you're going to expect from them every single week. And I don't know the last time we were able to say that, maybe 20, probably 2016. But I just think yeah. they've kind of been pulled down to the rest of the college football world. And they're part of like this sport we love because it's weird. And Washington State beats Wisconsin and a bunch of Sunbelt teams upset, you know, Power Five teams. And Notre Dame was always immune to that because it was like, oh, they're a favorite. They're going to win. And oh, they're playing Clemson. Maybe they'll keep it close or maybe they'll win if Trevor's out, but they're not going to win. Like, I just feel like in the larger college football ecosystem, they've become a major player, at least as far as 
um, you know, enter- entertainment value because you just don't know what you're going to get out of them every week. Well, and they're also in transition. You know, I mean, the we talked a lot in the build up to this season about how many unknowns there were going into 2022. We're through two weeks of the season. We've seen already an incredible volume of upsets. And uh, if only in week two, right, it was pretty intense last week. Um, in many ways, that tracks closely with what we were saying all off season long, which was we're going to go into the season and we don't know much about anybody. There, there's a lot that remains to be known about so much of college football, not just Notre Dame. Notre Dame at least has the excuse of being in transition. And so if that makes them more entertaining and if there is a grace period for Marcus Freeman, uh, it would make sense that it'd be this year. You know, before he gets some of his recruits in there, before he really gets this thing figured out um, against a tough schedule, like you you could understand that element of it, why they feel like everybody else from an entertainment value standpoint. Uh, if you're Texas A&M, it's a harder case to make because you're not in transition. You're not hiring a new coach. Your recruiting has only amplified over the last couple of years to go out there and lose in the manner that they did to App State is way worse than what Notre Dame did against Marshall last week it's just night and day so i get it um i think it is easy to kind of break the glass in case of the emergency here for notre dame because they're off to an zero and two start it's certainly not good um i have had no shortage of jokes on my end as a notre dame fan both directed at me and coming from my mouth about this team but at the same time um you know it's it's understandable given the the amount of change that they have gone through um you know, I'm I'm still confident that Marcus Freeman is the guy who could turn that around. But like we like we've been saying here, it's <laughs> that, that reckoning will 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 get there sooner than later. Where we have to ask the question: like, is this working? Uh, so I want to pivot off Notre Dame to the solid verbal. Um, and I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. Now that Mike Gundy is 55, and <laughs> you can still be happy for a day for you to stay. Like. Will the intro ever be updated, or is that just sort of set in audio stone at this point? Um, because well, it is so it's it's frank, it's it's iconic, but college football is nothing if not a quote audio machine yeah. that is new great stuff every week. Yeah, I mean, so here here's the interesting thing about our intro. We've used the same intro we've been doing our show. This is the fifteenth college football season. We've used that same intro. It's one of maybe three sounds on my board that has not changed in 15 years. And um, we can't find the originals for it. So everything else about our audio setup has changed. Everything. Literally everything. I cannot find the source of that sound. I can't even find the individual clips that comprise that sound. That Lou Holtz sound that we use, I have no idea where that is. I could find Gundy in a heartbeat. Bob Rub, no problem. But the the Lou Holtz thing has been whitewashed from memory by ESPN. And so um I I've considered changing it, but we also have such reaction to it every year. People writing in and saying, Oh, you know, the you, you hear the intro for the first time, that's how you know that the college football season is here. So I've wanted to change it for a while. I suspect at some point in the near future we will, just to keep it fresh. But um, whatever we change it to would definitely have to pay homage in some sense to what we've used for the last 15 years. Otherwise, I think it would make people angry. Well, he, he's been there still, 
Like, I don't think you can change it until he leaves Oklahoma State. I don't know if he ever leaves Oklahoma State. He's a guy who I think is going to be buried on that sideline whenever he croaks. Like, he's he is Oklahoma State. I definitely associate your intro with college football much more than anything that Dig and Rich has ever sung. So I just want <laughs> you to know that like, it's really important <laughs> to me. I thank you, P. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I I mean, it's such an iconic quote. The I'm a man. I'm forty. It's such an iconic thing. And um, if anything highlights the utter lunacy of college football, it was that press conference. I mean, just a just a, a guy up there just rattling stuff off and. Um, so I'm I'm hesitant to change it just because it's been very um you know central to our show for all these years and uh I, maybe modifications for it like Jimbo had some quotes in the off season right um <laughs> with respect you. to Saban and there was definitely a conversation around like how do we add Jimbo to this thing like is there something that we pull out and add Jimbo in its place and um, because I can't find the damn source material <laughs> for the original <laughs> intro, uh, I don't I don't know if it's ever going to happen. So we'll see. Yeah, the sport is well, just like it's the sport is just the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, you think about, I mean, all the Brian Kelly stuff, um, South Carolina cock commander. Mm-hmm. This week's fake yep. cameos with Bob Stu or not fake cameos, but like. <laughs> Brian Farrell cameos. Uh, Brian, for I mean, what other sport in the world delivers like this so consistently? It's so dumb. It is so dumb. the 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 closest go by is probably Premier League soccer, probably, and it's not an exact one to one. But you have you have about the same amount of um, chaos let's say in the premier league, especially when it comes to like their transfer portal, right? The transfer would, yeah. there's so much ridiculousness that goes on over in the premier league. And there is that sense of nobody's really running this thing, right? <laughs> like who's in charge of, no one's in charge of this. And that, that's really what makes college football unique here in America. For sure. Every other thing you could point to a governing body of some sort that, you know, is running the operations right the nfl has the commissioner every pro sport has a commissioner even other college sports they they lean a little bit more heavily on the ncaa as a governing institution college football has basically thrown that idea out nobody's running this thing and that's what makes it unique and that's i think that's what helps produce some of these just lunatic moments that we've seen over the years it's there's nothing to suppress it <laughs> the only thing to suppress it is booster dollars and like you know you see what you what we saw happen this past week with scott frost that's the only thing that can shut people up otherwise it's it's complete madness all the time and that's why we love it well i'm at the lead one meetings right now where they will spend all day talking about the future governance of college football to which i say leave it as is because it's given us so much great material i mean even oh, we, we even feature, get into like <laughs> we didn't even get into like the quotes that are great because they're delivered poorly. Like Gundy's line when he beat Notre Dame was something along the lines of we got a brand too. And it like was supposed to be galvanizing for Oklahoma state fans, but it just came out funny. It didn't really add up. It didn't really make sense. Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly's family thing should probably be in your intro. Now that I think of it, that I think would be a very oh, appropriate yeah. one, but he had a funny one this week, kind of funny for Brian Kelly, where, 
don't know if you guys saw where he showed up to the press conference late and he had a ten dollar yes. bill and he said he's donating it. Uh, but even that, like I was with someone yesterday, you know, it's Brian Kelly who said, did you see what Brian Kelly did? I go, yeah, he goes, it was actually pretty funny. If only that guy could actually deliver a joke. He just never <laughs> can get the timing, <laughs> keep the timing right. <laughs> well, I mean, two, so two points on that, right. And, and talk about drawing a difference between college and pro in college guys like Dabo Sweeney are elevated to the point where everyone wants to know, well, at least within the, within the programs, Reporters want to know what they think on other life things. You don't really get that question in the NFL. Like no one's Dan, asking Dan, Brian Dan Campbell. Like, yeah, nobody cares about Dan Campbell's thoughts on that. Right. But like somebody will ask Dabo a question that he is, is in no way qualified to answer just because he has been, um, you know, elevated to this position of prominence, whether by contract or by the respective fan base. And that's what I think produces some of these crazy moments. These guys are asked questions that they're in no, I asked Kirk Ferentz. I talk about this all the time on the show at one of the national championship games. We had Kirk Ferentz on and I interviewed him. Nice guy, very football focused. And we asked him like, yeah, what do you, what do you watch on Netflix? And he looked at us like we had two heads. He had no idea. <laughs> no, in his mind, he, and he answered, I think he answered with mash. Mash is the show that I watch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they haven't made MASH in 50 years. Wow, that, that really explains a lot. Well, it, and it does, right? Because you put these guys in a situation where they're forced to, to answer like real world questions. They don't know the answer. In a way, I feel bad for them. They have no idea. They're, they're, they're football coaches. They're so focused on football. And I think fan bases, again, whether because they're kind of like the top dog in the program or because they get paid so much for whatever reason, they get asked ridiculous questions about other football adjacent things. And that's where you get these goofy, um, the, these goofy types of answers, at least in Brian Kelly's case, he's, he's fairly good at politicking. You know, yes. he knows to some extent how to stay out of the muck and to keep his head above water. Uh, the, the transition to Southern Brian Kelly though, has been a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, let's, it, it wasn't just a family thing. He started saying program. Okay, he, he started, started with that. <laughs> he started replacing the A with a U. And oh, like he's trying to he's trying to push in on some of the soft spots and make himself seem a little bit more southern. And um that has been just a joy to, to watch. I am openly rooting against Brian Kelly every week. I am not I am the score Notre Dame fan. I'm openly rooting against him. I understand why he did it. You know, I hope for his sake and for his family that they can finally win the big one and and get a championship and that it goes well for him. But as a score Notre Dame fan, I am I am rooting for the maximum possible hilarity to ensue every week. We're not that far off if, from that point. If Brian Kelly, if in a crazy world, he says I want to come back to Notre Dame next year, and Notre Dame goes seven and five this year, what is your reaction to that? Oh. Brad? Is it to hell with is it to hell with you or is it all right? We don't, you never know what you got till it's gone. Wow. <laughs> wow, it's a good one. Matt. I don't know if you're allowed to ask that question on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the scenario? Notre Dame goes seven and five. Brian Kelly is canned from LSU and says, I want to come back. Not that, even canned. Just says, Hey, hey, I'll take a pay cut, I'll do whatever. I'm not a southern guy. I miss it there. I still got house, family, et cetera, there. Like it, it is hypothetical. No, nah, I, I mean, dude, screw him. No chance. Yeah, 
I, I think that I think that's the general sentiment, even no matter I how mean, bad this year goes. He he flew in under the or flew out, flew in, whatever, on the, under the cover of night. Pete, you could probably give the chronology here better than me, but showed up for 42 seconds and gave a farewell speech and then <laughs> left like, no, no. I, to my knowledge, he didn't take out a full page ad in the S- South Bend Tribune or anything to he just sort of bolted. He pulled a Lincoln Riley and just I'm out. So, no. No, we'll we'll ride or die here with Marcus Freeman and and see where this thing goes in the short term. But I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, I think that's one of the many things that the wind at Marcus Freeman's back is he's not Brian Kelly. And like every time every (laughs) time I think of them together, how was the movie? It's like uh, Will Smith and Kevin James or like Hitch or I I don't know. Hitch, yeah, that was Hitch. Yeah, I just think of the movie poster of them together, and it's like that looks like Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly together. Like that's that's how I imagine them. one being hip, young, and cool, and the other one decidedly not. So, um, you know, at some point in this Notre Dame season, Notre Dame's greatest win won't be Florida State beating LSU. Um, maybe right. that will happen this weekend <laughs> against Cal. Maybe it'll happen against North Carolina. Comes in down the road, who knows? But, uh, Ty, we, we appreciate you coming on the show. Um, if any of our listeners are not also listening to a solid verbal, I would just wonder what's wrong with you. Um, <laughs> that you should have listened to them long before the shamrock. Uh, and in addition to us now, because it is really the most fun I have recapping the college football s- slate, because probably like a lot of listeners to the show, I'm so in the weeds with Notre Dame that I miss a hell of a lot of other good stuff. And you guys do a great, great job of getting me up to speed and making me laugh out loud while I'm walking my dog or mowing my lawn. So I, I appreciate the solid verbal. I just want to thank you. That no, thank I. I appreciate that, and um, you know, I know I know we've had folks come over from the Shamrock over the years, but um, we would welcome all college football fans. Solidverbal.com is the website, or just search for it wherever you listen to Pete and Matt's show here at the Shamrock. Um, we've been we've been doing this since 2008, which is definitely it. It makes us feel old. Um, we are much older than we were. When we started this thing, but, um, you know, it's still a lot of fun. We, we try to zoom out and cover college football, um, from, from the national perspective and, uh, make it fun. You know, it is, the sport is really dumb. It is really dumb. It's really ridiculous. We, we joke often that it's scaffolding on top of scaffolding on top of scaffolding. Like there's no one really running this thing or making sure it's going to be okay in a year. Um, so we try to have fun with it and, uh, give you enough of what you need to know to uh to to really have a good sense for what's going on out there awesome appreciate you joining us ty good luck the rest of the season both personally and on your own show thank you thank you guys same to both of you